Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 220. Five, seven, nine, eleven years from now, um, I'll be able to win in any hole, just about anywhere probably. So my, um, uh, I'll have a new training situation that will allow me to train as much as I want um, in a r- high-quality features. So um, uh, I'm expecting to be really competitive in my 60s, put it that way. So um, I'll be a lot better freestyle boater at age 65 than I am at 59 for that reason. Um, and sure, by the time I'm 67, by the time I'm 69, I'll probably be unbeatable. <laughs> Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Awesome podcast. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, and we've got another deep dive interview. And as we're getting ready for the World Championships, I've been doing a little bit of a Road to the World series here and trying to interview some of the athletes. And I'm very excited to bring to you none other than Eric E.J. Jackson, my father-in-law, four-time world champion in freestyle kayaking, and we really dive into a bit of his history, a bit of his mindset into competing, and to his journey to competing again at 59 years old into the world championships coming up, and how he's using his wealth of experience uh, to prepare and best... um, get ready and and compete in the upcoming world championships. So we do a lot of mindset, a lot of his journey, and yeah, just a really, really fun conversation. I've been looking forward to bringing EJ onto the show for some time, and uh, we're going to have him on again into the future. So really excited to share this with you. Let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Eric Jackson. Well, EJ, welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. I'm stoked to finally have you on the show. Very cool. I was wondering when you're going to ask me. It's only been like 10 years. <laughs> well, there's been a lot of cool stuff that I've, been, that I've been pushing off, waiting to ask you to have you on the show. But I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk with you about the upcoming World Championships. And I'm, I'm trying to even think, how many World Championships have you been to? You're 59, right? 59? 59, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd have to count. You know, I know. Somebody so, asked me this recently, and I and I didn't know, and I was wondering. I was like, "Man, EJ's been doing this for you know thirty, forty years, way more than I have." And so, um, yeah, just excited to have you um, talk about kind of like your. I would say of all the athletes, <clears throat> I'm guessing you know in England they had the Masters class, but I'm not certain if that's happening again this year. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm just unaware. Um, but in the master's class, there was a fair amount of older people. I don't even know. What was the age group, 40 and over? Yeah, master's is 40 and over. For, 40 they and may over. have it yeah. at, uh, at Columbus, at, um, Columbus also. Okay. I know that um, Jesse Stone's paying close attention to that. She's really fired up on that. And um, I obviously would like it to happen because it's, <clears throat> it's cool. It busts out the 
you know, those that are 40 and over, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. It's supposed to find out two weeks before. Right. It's, um, <clears throat> they could do it during squirt, but squirt boaters didn't want to divert attention away from what they were doing. Because mm -hmm. uh, the hole would be open during, or the wave would be open. Um, so they need extra water. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But. Luckily, but, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, well, so yeah. the cool part is is that regardless that you have made it for just whatever we call like the men's division, which is 18 and older. Yeah, so I think they probably would call that the open class now. Open class now, yeah. We just call it men's kayak. Right. And um, so you're competing against a whole bunch of 18, 19, 20, 30-year-old men, which is pretty cool. And I would say at 59, you're probably, if not the oldest, you're one of the oldest. Do you know if you're the oldest competitor? I'm I'm not sure, but we just call those younger ones less experienced the less paddlers. Experienced. Well, that's what I want to get into is is at 59, I would say you're certainly the most, even if you're not the oldest competitor, guaranteed you're the most experienced in the sense of you have gone to the most world championships versus any other competitor out there. Yeah. Um, and and I'm just I'd love to kind of dive into. Well, I guess we can also dive into a bit of your history and you could kind of just run us through your history of coming, you know, getting to where you're at right now. But I also really want to dive into later about the mindset of having all that experience and what the advent, uh, the advantage that that gives you kind of going into this world championships. But kind of just for anyone who maybe has never heard your name, which I find Maybe there's very few out there. Run us through a little bit of your history, um, kind of getting into the sport and then running through, you know, slalom, Olympics, all of freestyle yeah. to where we are. Give me the five-minute well, version. Well, basically, I've always been a playboater, so um, freestyle is a new name. It was um, just playboating, then it went rodeo, and then it went freestyle. And um, uh, I just consider myself a playboater, meaning um, when I'm on the river, I like playing around and doing stuff yeah it's fun to go down the river but what else can you do on the river besides just getting from the top of the rapid to the bottom um when uh way back when in the early 80s uh i found out that there's a u.s kayak team but it was for slalom there was no rodeo team or whatever and um uh, so i decided i would have wanted i wanted to be on the u.s team so i started training slalom but uh the reality is what i was a playboater training slalom and i was known as the playboater training slalom and what my little sense of identity, I wore a ProTrek helmet, which is, you know, kind of a gay-looking helmet now, but it's, um, uh, that helmet was like my... The, the Playboater's helmet. Was, yeah, that was what you wore if you are playboating, instead of an ace plastic lightweight slalom helmet. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so playboating was my thing, and um, uh, I was the, the ender pirouette king and whatever, and that was kind of my claim to fame. Um, uh, which by back then that was the trick. That, that, that was, was the like, trick. Yeah. yeah, like I was the first one to do you know full three sixty pirouettes and stuff. But anyway, the um, uh, of course that's unverified for those who <laughs> have a disclaimer, and I'm sure somebody listening here is going to um, try to disprove that and blah blah blah. So, uh, I'm I'm totally fine with that. I was the only one I ever met that knew how to do it when I started doing it. But yeah. anyway, the um, <laughs> uh, and it was super cool. Like um, my first year in um. And apparently my playboating exploits had become famous somehow. Like I was in my first year making the U.S. B team, meaning I was on the slalom team, but not on the A team. I was on the second tier, and I got to race in Europe. And I'm in Augsburg, Germany. And this guy comes up to me, are you Eric Jackson? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, ah, oh, you must teach me playboating. 
And I'm like, it was Jan Kellner, um, and he was a German dude, and he's like, I have to learn playboating. Show me what it is. Now, of course, remember in 84, there's no internet, there's no YouTube, and there's no playboating videos in VHS either, because mm -hmm. <laughs> it probably wasn't VHS. But anyway, the, um, <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> I'm like, I need a boat, whatever. I just had my slalom boat, and we got this um, prion boat out there and um, in washing machine at Augsburg, and I started going in with my hands and doing hand rolls and then enders and back enders and but my skirt kept blowing because it was a crappy cockpit rim whatever but anyway um he's like ah oh, playboy and cool whatever when that was in 84 um 1991 um uh the first world rodeo championships happened i didn't know about it because the americans didn't tell me because they didn't want me going mm. it was like an invitational thing anyway jan kellner won which was super cool that's awesome uh but um uh, the first, that was in 91. Um, well, then I knew about it because it was in a magazine that there's a rodeo. And I'm like, what the hell just <laughs> happened? I was so pissed. You have no idea how pissed I was that they had the rodeo world championships in, in on the bitches waves in England. And I wasn't even, nobody, basically yeah. they kept it hush hush. And I'm not naming the names of people that did go that definitely didn't want me to go. Yeah. But anyway, the, um, 90, now I know about it. So 93 was like the first official one where they had team trials and how many people on the team and a whole deal. Anyway, I got to go to that one. And that was on the Ocoee. And um, uh, I won that one. Um, that was like my first win. That was the year after the Olympics. You also invented a trick to win that one. I did. That was my first. Um, I, I came and I, <clears throat> Corin Addison called me and he said, you know, you, if you can't get 10 ends in a minute, you can't win this thing. And I've never seen you do 10 ends or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, 10 ends. So you might as well not come, by the way. Just don't even Yeah, basically, <laughs> like, it's like, this is going to be really hard. Like, people are doing, like, a lot of tr stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like, basically cartwheels. And um, I'm like, whoa, that is pretty cool. And I showed up in my dagger crossfire. My old line was, it's not the boat, it's the motor. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it, at Hellhole, my crossfire, I can't compete against the the prion hurricane or the acrobat or whatever. And it was like, holy crap. And luckily, Mark Lyle was working on a, a new boat, and I got in on the program, and he asked me what I wanted, whatever. I was just phone calls, and Chris Billius, Mark Lyle, myself, and uh, Scott Shipley all got one. It was basically an RPM prototype. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and I just trained my butt off and learning cartwheels, and it occurred to me that, wow, we're all in the mosh pit of this cartwheel thing, and how many cartwheels can you get? So, anyway, I figured out, oh, I could do a cartwheel with a half twist, and I thought that was the coolest thing. Of course, uh, not, Corin, he said, Corin goes, nobody's ever going to, nobody's going to, we're really, we're professional kayakers. We can recognize the difference between us, what you're doing and, a, and a, what, what everybody else is doing. So mm -hmm. the judges will never see it. Meaning the split wheel versus the Yeah, the, the split wheel. wheel. And anyway, they'll never even see it. Mm -hmm. So I named it the split wheel, and then... Um, and it was like, well, that's actually good advice. So every time before I went in the in the hole, I'd yell up at the judges, split wheel, and I'd show them with my hand what it looked like. And then I'd just yell, split wheel, and I'd get them all fired up, and they'd be like, oh, what's a split wheel? Then I'd do it, <laughs> and then I'd dip a big fist pump, and they'd be like, oh, I don't know how many points I got for it. But um, at the end of the day, I did a split wheel on every ride and, and won that. And that's, that set the pace or the kind of the mindset like, ah, oh, this is cool. You have moves that nobody else can do mm -hmm. then or nobody else is doing or can do or knows about. Well, then you're ahead of everybody. And that became my goal from then on out 
is to show up at every Worlds with a move nobody else could do. Um, and I did for many years, and sometimes I couldn't employ it. Like 05 Worlds in Australia, I had the McNasty really good. Um, and other people were just starting to learn it, kind of, but I could do it really well. But I couldn't do it well enough to stick it on that wave, so I didn't mm -hmm. get to bust it out. Lunar Orbit in 2003, um, and the McNasty 2003, really in Graz also. <clears throat> Um, I just wasn't pulling it off, and I didn't get to use it in Graz. But um, generally speaking, I uh, did the first Pan Am in competition in 99 in New Zealand, which is super cool. Um, anyway, there's a lot of that just became my theme. Unfortunately, I can't say that I've got a move that nobody's ever done for Columbus. <laughs> for Columbus? Mm. Maybe it's the style that no one's ever done that you're going to have to come with. <clears throat> no. I mean, so one of, the, one of your, like, from me watching you for the last, so... You've been, you know, a hero and idol of mine. And for for anybody listening, if you haven't figured out, uh, I didn't say, but EJ is my father-in-law, and he kind of like taught me a lot of what I know in the last, you know, 15, 18 years, whatever it is. And and so for me, watching you and learning from you, I remember, especially in the early days, <clears throat> and I don't see it as much, you know, in your last, your your later competitions, but um, in the earlier days, you would go in and you would like claim okay like phonics monkey and like look at the judges and then you'd you'd go doing phonics monkey and, and claim it and and it was definitely people knew like you had just a very unique style to competing um and and i would almost even say like your style helped the judges score you because you'd kind of like tell them before well, and like what you're gonna do and it made it really easy that was the whole idea yeah the um <clears throat> Two things. One is I need to compete in a broad external focus, and the only way for me to do that is to not be head down, you know, to the grindstone and try to <clears throat> be in the zone. <clears throat> a lot of people talk about being in the zone. You got to be in the zone, whatever. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think it's the opposite. You got to be outward focused if we want to do well in freestyle because the wave changes. Um, you get when you get in the zone, you throw a move, and then you think of your next move, and you're really focused on in, in your, your mind's eye what that move looks like. But that move looks like doesn't look like that if the wave doesn't look like that. So the so you got to look at the wave and be like, oh, the wave looks like that, and then you either throw it or don't throw it or throw it differently because the wave or move before you throw it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's <clears throat> the way I would get in broad external focus was look at the judges or look at my wife Christine or look at whatever, and then and it's just a split second in between moves, and then look back and then. When you look back, you're like, oh, God, where am I? Oh, right there. Boom, boom. And then you adjust to the to the feature, your position, and then you throw your move properly because you're actually identifying where you are from the beginning. But it also helps the judges. And then the judges are already thinking the move in their head, so it's really easy for them just to say it out loud afterwards. Right. <laughs> so if you say, you know, whatever, Helix, um, they, they've got Helix in their head. You don't have to do it and then them come up with that word all by their own, by themselves right did um i'm trying to remember if you do you, when you compete do you do you like i know that you've taught me to to make a routine and like you've got this routine maker spreadsheet and all this kind of stuff do you always stick with that routine or with that external minds or like focus do you therefore change your routine mid-ride sometimes <clears throat> uh it depends i mean if i'm doing um if I find, you know, let's say my first move is supposed to be on my first pass, and if I miss that pass, for example, for whatever reason, 
which if I do, that's usually not a good sign. But um, not like a means I, I made you know any means like <clears throat> that I hit the wave in the wrong spot and whatever right. like right. which you shouldn't do. It shouldn't be that hard to hit it in the right <laughs> spot. I, mean, I don't peel out, but um, yeah. But anyway, then um, if you're not in the right spot to do that first move, um, you might start with something else or um, in a hole. Same thing, you know. It could be that you're doing a if you're doing a hard move, a combo, like a back loop McNasty, and you're doing a back loop and you're clearly flushing, you're, you know, you bail and drop it down and do a recovery stroke or something for sure. Right. But for the most part, you're trying to stick with that routine. Yes. I mean, the, the whole per- point of the routine is it's your easiest way to get points fast. And um, uh, while you can think on the fly, the chances that you're going to make a better routine and score higher by going off – Right off on a tangent is not very high. The other thing that I that I noticed, and and again, I don't remember if this was something that I figured out or if you taught me this. Um, and that's why I'm kind of asking. But whether or not you're also the more that you do, the, if you do the routine over and over and over, and it's the exact same routine, the judges also know what you're about to throw. Yeah, they're like, okay, I've seen them do this literally 30 times already or more, so they're they're like. In the men's class, it's particularly yeah. hard. Yeah, the, in, a, in a hole in the men's class is where that's critical. So um, with the only exception of what I call dazed and confused, <laughs> the, um, the problem in a men's class, <clears throat> two things happen in the men's class. When paddlers paddle really fast, throwing a lot of ends into a, a tricky woo, into a cartwheel, into a clean cartwheel, into a, a loop, uh, um, and just a lunar orbit into a loop into a, then the other way, whatever the, the judges literally can't think that fast. Like was that a link? Was that a huge? Was that clean? Was that, and they get behind. So they just call everything. So yeah, they, a lot of times the, the, those paddlers get extra bonus because it's like, man, they're doing so much that I hate to, I'm behind. So just link everything huge, huge everything. on whatever. Wow. That was amazing. So <clears throat> Uh, while I can't say I've successfully done days confused a lot of times, it's, um, it's, I think it's a good way to go. So what you do is you throw really hard, really fast cartwheely tricks. Mm-hmm. So just boom, like cartwheel left, split right, cartwheel right, mm-hmm. split left, um, lunar or, or lunar orbit left, cartwheel left, and then the other way. And then in, in and then, then you throw phonics monkey. And if your phonics monkey isn't 45 all the way around, they're so busy calling all those cartwheel moves, they just they see out of the corner of their eye that it is a phonics monkey, and they're not judging it harshly. Mm-hmm. Where if you watch the junior women, they do a, a phonics monkey, but it's clearly not. They, that's their one move, and they have 20 seconds to think about it. I, I would say that, um, especially in the last couple years, as um, the combo moves and we're in a hole, the combo moves, you start doing just so fast tricks. You see this, um, the biggest difference in the men's versus women's class. So the women are doing all the same hardest tricks and they're doing just as good on, you know, a lot of the time on air and link and stuff like that. But they're a little bit slower in the combination, meaning they're not just going as rapid fire as the men. And I feel that watching the women somehow get judged so much harsher than the men just because they have the judges have a little bit more time 
to think about it and critique it and be like, um, mm, I don't know if I would give that because it wasn't quite perfect or whatever. Whereas the men, it's just is not perfect, but they're going so fast that they yeah. have to keep naming them off. No, I agree. And then, um, <clears throat> but back to your original question, doing a routine over and over does give the judges, it's easy to like the judges know what's coming up it makes their job easy mm -hmm. judges get tired it's a lot of judging especially in prelims and quarterfinals once you get to finals um but it's it is kind of the same thing um but obviously in finals you have you know if in the men's class you have five guys all doing good and for the most part you're going to know most of the guys there's nobody in finals that doesn't have a routine to some level. Mm -hmm. So the judges are, are, you know, everybody's on pretty much equal playing field. And judges know that so-and-so is going to go out and do clean blunt, clean blunt, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <clears throat> and then this one's going to do air screw, air screw. And EJ's going to do Pan Am, Helix, Helix, and mm -hmm. blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so people figure that out. So now it comes down to who nails their routine. So finals eliminates a lot of the... The, where you're just kind of playing around with the system. Right. So when we were talking about your history, <clears throat> we kind of like got straight into mindset and, and competing and strategy and different things like that. I want to finish off. So you've, you've won four world championships as of now. You're talking about how a lot of them that you've had um, like a, a new trick or like something – you know, specific to kind of help you win that. Um, what were, so let's name, name off your four world championships and, and maybe some of the tricks that helped you win that one, those uh, specific world championships. Yeah. Uh, 93 <laughs> was, um, split wheel. Uh, 2001 was the air loop mm -hmm. and tricky woo. Um, both of those, I was the only one to do either of those in finals. <clears throat> uh, I think so. I don't remember. On 2001, um, uh, Corn Addison was doing air loops and space Godzillas, but he wasn't in finals. But mm -hmm. um, or if he was, he didn't medal. Anyway, I don't remember what place he got, but he was doing those tricks too. Uh, Eric Southwick was second. He wasn't, and Brian Kirk was third, and he wasn't. They were doing all cartwheels and split wheels. Um, uh, 2000. Uh, three in Graz, I was doing lunar orbits and McNasty's, but not only in the prelims, and it wasn't counting. It was such a big hole that I wasn't getting them. So mm -hmm. anyway, 2000, and I, I won prelims, quarterfinals, and semifinals, but then I got fourth. 2005 was uh, no new moves. There was no, I wasn't doing any moves that, that other people weren't doing uh, but I was getting huge bonuses on air loops and space Godzillas. Um, that's when I invented the happy seat, happy thruster combo. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't, other people had beach balls, so it wasn't like I was the only one with something in, in there, but mine yep. was better, but anyway, and my boat was better. But, um, uh, <clears throat> so that was blunts, air loops, space Godzillas, cartwheels, split wheels. Um, uh, I was doing McNasty's and lunar orbits in practice, but I couldn't, I was flushing anyway so I just went for the big air 2000 uh 2007 um McNasty was the only one did McNasty and, and I did it on the buzzer for the mm -hmm. win um on bus eater on bus eater so that was a obviously a big wave but it got lower in final so it was a big wave with a lot of foam <laughs> mm -hmm. um and so that one I didn't <clears throat> that one was just 
blunts, Pan Ams, back Pan Ams, back blunts. Um, I bailed on the Helix, I bailed on the air screw, but I um, did the McNasty in finals for the win. Yep. And then um, uh, 2009, you won. <laughs> right, yeah. And, um, uh, and I was doing, I mean, blunt McNasties were happening a long time, but I was doing them in practice, and again, I didn't get one in competition. Uh, I never, I always flushed before that, that was, not um steven was doing that you were doing there was a lot of people that were doing it in practice you didn't see many if any in finals that i know of mm -hmm. um uh and that's um <clears throat> anyway and that was something we was there for bus eater too but i didn't do because i wasn't pulling it off right and then um yeah that's the ones and then um 2000 pre-worlds it was uh uh that was triple X time. That was um, um, nothing new there, really. That was a really hard wave. It was just I was the only one that could stay in the wave and do that was a lot of cartwheels and split wheels. No, that was in um, Spain. Spain. In uh, New Zealand, 99, I, did, um, I won quarter, prelims, quarterfinals, uh, and then I flushed twice in a row in semifinals, so I didn't make finals in New Zealand. But... Um, uh, I called my Pan Am. That was like I, I was telling everybody, Eric Jackson in the hole. And I was like, no, I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna fly because nobody was even getting air on blunts. Never mind. Anyway, and they're like, what? I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna fly. <laughs> and they were like, what? Fly. <laughs> like, oh, I'm flapping my wings. And they're like, just get on the wave. <laughs> and I went out on the wave. My first move um, was the biggest. Pan Am I'd, I've ever gotten. It was pretty sweet. It went, wow, went way in the air and went way past vertical in, a, in an eight-foot boat you know, in the foreplay. So it looked super cool. And then I landed backwards, and they're like, well, what do we get? They gave me like a double extra. I think I got 200 points for it or something. <laughs> they just made something up, I think. <laughs> they were just like, that was unbelievable. We'll give them That's funny. Uh, like a bonus double, whatever you call it, um, trophy move kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, they pulled everybody. Does anybody have a problem with this? And they're like, well, okay, sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so talking about, you know, what we've all done for maybe some of the past world championships and events, what's your focus going into, you know, again, coming back to the, the current world championships, we're like two months away or whatever it is, less than 60 days away. And you've got the most wisdom, the most experience. Um, what is kind of your focus going into this world championships? What are maybe some of the tricks you want to do? What's your mindset and uh, uh, kind of coming into this world championships in Columbus? Well, I know, I mean, since um, really since 2013, I haven't been quote unquote training. Like I, mm -hmm. I started focusing on fishing. So um, I went from, you know, EJ, the athlete that trains I'm out there as much or more than anybody on the water, specifically trying to push my freestyle forward. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> my focus is really step one is to try to get, make sure that I can do the moves that, that, um, uh, as well as I can do them back in, you know, 15 years ago, you yep. know, the last wave worlds was 2009 for me at tune. Mm -hmm. Um, so those moves, you know, for, for Columbus, you know, all the wave moves are available. Yep. Um, you only have 45 seconds. So, um, my moves are going to be Pan Am, Helix, Helix, back Pan Am, uh, right blunt, um, right back blunt, left 
back blunt. I'm trying to turn that into a left back Pan Am, but I haven't been doing that well yet. Um, and then flip turn, flip turn, and air screw. Nice. Um, that's where it is right now. I also have a McNasty to the right, pretty good, and a blunt McNasty left that I should be able to do, but I haven't. I've done it, but it's not like on demand yet. Yep. Um, but that I don't have time in 45 seconds anyway. So for me, it's just really getting the remembering how to how to do it well. And um, Columbus isn't super easy. Um, now, obviously, the best people when they're paddling really well, you know, whether it be you or Dane or whatever, um, are getting a move every pass. Um, and obviously, sometimes you don't get a move every pass because it's not super easy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so getting, being able to get a move every pass is my primary goal. So that means training. So I've been training, um, as much as I've had time for so far, which still is, you know, a 10th of what my training would normally be. Right. So, um, I have enough wisdom to know that, uh, you know, I'm not training like a world champion trains right now, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, uh, I've got other priorities, but other stuff going on. Yeah. But with that said, um, uh, my goal is to make finals. Um, uh, I think I can make top five. Because um, <clears throat> one of the things I don't have going into it is any kind of fear of failure. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people go in, especially ones that haven't won before or whatever. You know, like um, not to name any names, but um, but there are but there, there are, are people out there that um yeah. are really good, and they it's scary for them because it's like, it's my turn. It's, I should be the one out there. I should be a world champion. I'm, I'm good enough and whatever. And, um, but in a game like this, you have to actually go to prelims and do well, then go to corner finals, do well. And most of the time they're pretty okay. Then go to semifinals. Oh God, I only have two rides and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then you flush on a ride. And then it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I only have one ride. And then now it's game time. Like, you know, can you keep your crap together or not? Yeah, A lot of pressures. And some people do, and obviously five people make finals, um, but they're not always the five that that think they're going to make finals, right? Yep. So then, um, but that whole process, um, the only one I get nervous in really is prelims. It's the weirdest thing, even though it should be the easiest. <laughs> prelims is kind of like... I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like, um, in prelims, it feels like there's nothing to gain and everything to lose. Like, you don't have, you haven't... It just, it's just, it's a, why are we doing prelims anyway? Like, why don't we just cut to five now? Or why don't we cut to 10? Why don't like, we go straight to finals? Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready, guys. Yeah, it doesn't have to be finals. But, like, it's just such a big cut that you have to really paddle poorly not to make right the next round. So the goal almost becomes to not paddle bad. Where Which then you're the thinking, li- don't paddle bad, yeah, don't which paddle is the wrong bad. thing to think. Like, yeah. Where all the other rounds, it's like you have to paddle well. And that's... A, uh, for me, that's a lot more fun knowing you have to do well to to mm-hmm. get the next round versus you have to not suck. And what <clears throat> that's what that was what was terrible about the old final system. I would have won a lot more world championships if they had not had the old final system. And that's the old final system. You once it was like in New Zealand, ten people in pre pre worlds, ten people made finals. Mm-hmm. Ten people do a ride. 10th place drops out, nine people do a ride, nine places drop. So your whole goal is to not suck, not be the last guy. It is <laughs> Whatever like, you do, don't just be last place. Yeah, it's the worst. It was the worst finals format ever, and we had it for like five or I don't know how many years. We had it for a long time. Um, 
at least five years. We we got rid of that, and it was three rides, one count. It was way way better. Mm-hmm. So wh- you've got a lot of different mentalities that you talk about, and that you've kind of passed on to you know myself and Emily and Dane and lots of people that hang around and listen to what you've got to say. One of them being life without compromise. Another one being um, that it's about the journey, not the end goal. You know what I mean? And so coming into the world championships, you know, a lot of people I think think of, you know, the winning the world championships, getting a world champion title, that being the end goal. That's what all this has been for. I've been training so hard for this and, and all that stuff, all these years and all everything is going to that one focus. Whereas, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your mindset is a lot more about that it's the journey and to enjoy the whole experience along the way. Um, am, am I right on so far? Yeah, more. Or, yeah, I mean, more or less. I think of it a couple ways. Um, okay. I think um, I don't want to put the words in your mouth. Yeah. So you, you tell me how you think <laughs> of it. Well, it's a couple. I mean, number one, you do it because it's fun. Like right. um, I really like paddling on Good Wave in Columbus. So, and I really like paddling in um, at Nottingham at the holes there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoy playboating. So um, an excuse to go playboating for me is really fun. Now, excuse to, to go play boating and try to play boat really well is even more fun for me like I enjoy competing and I enjoy trying to be the best that that for me is fun I like to compete so um putting myself in that situation for me is just the ideal situation like yeah I get up in the morning I get to train <laughs> and I get to go kayak I get to try to be the best I get compare against other people they're looking at me and like, oh, God, he better not beat me. He's like 59. And I'm like, ha, that's funny. <laughs> and I know that <clears throat> I like the whole I like playing mind games with people. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm happy to teach them how to play mind games if they want to do it, too. And it's mm-hmm. not in a negative way. But um, uh, but the other side of it is um, <clears throat> I like to know, you know, your your body's a machine. Your brain is a computer. Um, you know, do you have an old 486 PC computer that can't run programs anymore? Do you have a, you know, a a body that's like a, you know, rusted out old car that, you know, may or may not start and, you know, you don't want to do a cross country trip with or, Mm -hmm. you know, are you um, in the, you know, the highest quality, well, best maintained, you know, ready to to race the Le Mans car um, with the latest supercomputer with running, you know, AI and everything, right? So, um, World Championships combines mental with with that, so you get to test yourself. You kind of like it's like oh, I got to do a test lap right now, mm-hmm. and so that's just you know another World Championships and other team trials. Like if you, and I've failed twice in team trials. It's like oh that wasn't a good test lap. Yeah. So um it uh anyway I didn't like not making the team in 2015 and 2019. Those were both worlds I wanted to go to, one sort and one in Garburetor. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'm not going to do that again. A question about that. Do you think because you really wanted to go to those world championships that there was extra pressure and therefore that had any sort of effect on your result? Or it was just a fluke incident that you flushed or... Both of them, twenty. Um, both of them, I was really focused on other like business stuff and right. whatever, and I just kind of I've never not made the team, and really I'm um, Garburator. I don't forget where we did team trials on Garburator. On Garburator, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, the concept that I would not make. Oh the no, team. Garburator uh, for 2015. It was at uh, it was at Glenwood. Oh, yeah, Glenwood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um, 
And I think you just flushed under your opening helix. Yeah, I think I, I just, remember. Yeah, I think I just didn't. <clears throat> I didn't stick my first moves. But bottom line, I was um, not mentally in the game as much as I should have been. Like it didn't right. occur to me that I wouldn't make the team. Like being top five has never felt that difficult mm-hmm. for team trials, and that's the first time that. <clears throat> now, if you just if you flush on your opening moves, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> hard to get a lot of points that way. Yeah. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, those two. Uh, 2019 was supposed to be at Rock Island. Um, that was the year, uh, you know, that was the year that I stepped away from Jackson Kayak and mm-hmm. I was, you know, had a lot of things on my mind on that one. And um, it was going to be at Rock Island. I was training at Rock Island. So mentally it was like, it's at Rock Island. Like, there's you no way this. I'm not going to make the team. And then it got moved to NOC, which is fine because I know NOC and I can compete well. It's not like, and I like NOC whole, but um. For whatever reason, I don't even remember what happened, but it, I just didn't perform it well there. It flooded, and the wave was pretty much non-existent. At NOC? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, anyway, I don't remember exactly how it went, but all I know is that I didn't make that team. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I guess where I'm going with this whole question about the, the journey versus just the end goal, as we're going into the World Championships, is there... Like you talked about how you wanted to make finals. Is there something that you're thinking, you know, this is really, you know, my goal, like my goal is to make finals or whatever, or is it really just, I'm stoked to be back competing with everybody and I'm just, just as happy to be going to the world championships as I would be, you know, well, I'm, de- well, I'm definitely fired up to be going like it's on a wave. I enjoy, you know, the next one's going to be in a hole. I like competing in holes too. Um, but I know it's not going to be one on a wave, you know, it's going to be however many years until we have one on a wave as good as good wave. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I definitely wanted to be in this world and, um, for that reason. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, I'm th- just stoked to be there for sure. And, um, you know, however I finish is fine at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Like my life isn't going to change one way or another. It's not like if I make finals, I'm going to get some sponsor and be able to like, mm-hmm you know, um, I don't know, train full time or something. I don't, it's, um, do something different. Yeah. There's no like life changing thing. It's more, uh, it's just more like, uh, for just means that I'm with very limited training. You just leverage my experience and ability to compete to, um, uh, to do well. Now, if I make finals, um, that would be interesting because <laughs> then obviously the goal is then to win. Yeah. And, um, uh, so <laughs> is that when the mind games start or, <laughs> yeah, Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I hate to mess with my own kids, but <laughs> they're going to be like, wait, does he have some secret sauce that we don't know about? Like yeah. what is happening here? Why is he grinning at us right now? Like what, what does he know that we don't know? Luckily, I feel like I've played enough ping pong with you. I think I'm ready for the mental mind games. Um, but I do, I do hope to, to see you and Dane, and, and it would be awesome. I would love nothing more than to be in finals with you guys, so it would be, be really awesome. Um, you know, in, again, just talking about being that you're some of the most, one of the most experienced or the most experienced paddlers uh, at Worlds. You're going to be one of the oldest is there anything that you're doing for training that you would consider? You, you talked about how in your training that, you know, you've got other stuff going on. You know that maybe you're not training how you would have in the past. Are you doing anything different that maybe is giving you an edge? Like, do you do any sort of 
mental visualization or are you running more or are you, I don't know, you know, eating different or is like, is there anything that you're doing that you feel that like, you're like, oh, this is, you know, even if I'm not training on the wave as much as I might've been in the past that you are doing that helps with that, like your experience provides, uh, or is it just, are you kind of relying on the fact that you've been in the finals so many times you've been in prelims and all these rounds so many times that you're kind of like, um, leaning on that more or like i'm just curious if there's something that you're doing no, the, um, i mean the only thing i'm doing different is i'm i'm i am running more and i'm not <clears throat> and i'm lifting weights more so only because i can do it um uh at home when i'm working and whatever so i can um <clears throat> if i'm not training that day and I'm in my kayak it's making sure that my body's in good shape and whatever um when when I was training kayaking, you know my 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 concept. If you have to lift weights or you have to run, you know if you have to do cardio or lift weights, you're not paddling hard enough. Like if you have the energy to to do something else, well then you didn't. You're not training very hard, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So my goal for training was always to train so hard that you know twice a day or whatever that you're exhausted. And if you can go lift weights, well then you should have been paddling, paddling harder. Yeah. Concept. Um. I think Dane, li for the most part, lives with that kind of mentality. No, I mean, that's the way to, you, you're learning skills. I mean, it's very direct training when you're mm -hmm. kayaking, obviously. So mm -hmm. when you go running, it's not like, wow, I can really do a, you know, a Pan Am good now. Yeah. <laughs> or when you're lifting weights, same thing. It's like um, the only benefit of those two is, you know, it's you can you I mean, you can run and it doesn't um, affect your upper body much, so you can, you can actually add that to it if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, full disclosure, do that when I was training hard too sometimes. But yeah. uh, on, the, on the mental side, you know, other than I have written on the RV, you know, like what my routine is, and um, I still don't remember the back half of it very well. So, <laughs> so, so not a lot of mental training. Not a lot of mental training. No, yeah. the, um, uh, but we're getting closer to it. So then after this trip to the Ottawa, mm -hmm. um, we'll um, head back to Columbus. And um, so definitely routine training. Mm -hmm. As we're going to run out of training time, it's going to go from, I've had really good training this summer with nobody there. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be super crowded, which that's the other quote unquote mental edge that I have is that, um, you know, I know I've paddled the wave when it's not crowded. People are going to show up that are really good boaters and they're going to show up when it's crowded <clears throat> and it's going to frustrate the crap out of them. And they're just going to be, they're going to be in a panic because they're mm -hmm. going to go out and they're going to do a ride and flush right away. And they're going to be, Oh my God. And then I got to wait a half hour and then water's going to go off and they're like, what the heck? Yeah. How am I supposed to train? And that's going <clears> to, <throat> but that's, what every competition people have to deal with if they didn't prepare in advance. So if, if nothing else, what I did in advance, when everybody's on tour, when people were competing at GoPro games, you were, I was in Columbus. Yeah, so I by guess yourself. By myself, yeah. yeah. So, so I've got more time on the wave than most than people. Most people. Mm -hmm. I mean, than almost, almost everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, like uh, there's, you know, people that live in Columbus, whatever, a Mason, for example, yeah. probably has more, you know, he has a lot more time because he's, grew up there and right. um but just for people in 2023 training my time on the wave is is near the top near the top yeah yeah so uh, one of my final questions we're gonna get we're we're kind of you know 
getting to the end of the show and, and I'm going to ask you the fire round, but, but one of my last questions is, you know, at 59 years old competing here, is there ever like, I'm, I'm assuming in your head that you're, you're thinking well, I'll be competing at 61 and I'll be competing at 63. And like, what, what do we expect from, from EJ in the next, you know, three, five, seven years, uh, I know there's some other stuff that, that I want to talk with you about, and we'll probably bring you on for another podcast. Um, but, uh, but just focusing on paddling-wise, um, what do what the coming years look like for you? Well, I've got, um, the, uh, I got um, something cool that I'm doing. So in five, um, five, seven, nine, 11 years from now, um, I'll be able to win in any hole, just about anywhere probably. So my... Um, uh, I'll have a new training situation that allow me to train as much as I want mm-hmm. um, in a r- high quality features. So um, uh, I'm expecting to be really competitive in my sixties, <laughs> put it that way. Um, Love just it. yeah. So um, I'll be a lot better freestyle boater at age 65 than I am at 59 for that reason. I, um, and sure, by the time I'm 67, by the time I'm 69, I'll probably be unbeatable. <laughs> That that statement alone, I just want to put out there, that explains EJ as the through-and-through competitor more than anything. I mean, you're you're a, co- a competitor through and through in everything that we've ever done. Like, I, I just, I laugh because, like, we'll go cut wood to make a fire. And it's always like, oh, it's a race, and it's who can cut it the fastest and stack it the fastest, and, and it's a game. And it's just, that's just who you are through and through is everything's a game and everything's a competition because that's what games are is who's going to win. And so I love that mentality. I look forward to it. I, I hope that when I'm in my mid-40s, I'm competing against you in the world championships in your mid-60s. And I, I, I truly believe that is very likely to happen. So I look forward to that. Yeah, hopefully Tucker will be on the team and Parker. Oh, so my gosh, that would be just truly be like, incredible. Yeah. All right, grandson. <laughs> what I haven't taught you about yet is finals. <laughs> oh, my gosh, love it. EJ, I'm going to move us on to the fire round where I ask a couple quick questions that I ask all my guests. And being that we're talking so much about worlds, I'm going to try my best to kind of frame these around the world championships and just competing in general. But these are pretty overarching, generalized um, questions. Do you have a favorite quote or a current quote that you live by? Yeah, on the plains of hesitation lie the blackened bones of countless millions who at the dawn of victory sat down to rest and resting died. It's a Churchill quote. But I have a bunch of quotes I live by, but that's just one of them that that's reminds you to get your get off your ass and go. Yeah, to take action. I love that. And and through uh, truly, you, you're you know an individual that continually takes action. So I applaud you for that. And and I use you regularly as uh, as motivation and uh, inspiration for for myself to do more, to be more active, to try new things. So thank you for doing that. And Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there are others that that find the same. So um, do you have a favorite book, a recent book, something that you're reading? I also think of like podcasts because I know... (laughs) I already know this answer. You don't read, but um, do you listen to podcasts? Do you have anything that like helps you prepare or that you take inspiration from others um, to either prepare for worlds, business, life in general? No. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Yeah. No, the, um, uh, I mean, that's tr- not really true, but no, I don't, um, I don't, uh, ob- 
I mean, I absorb information from people all the time, but it's all situational. Um, uh, while reading and listening to stuff all the time, I think, you know, definitely has value. But I prefer, I prefer to write over read. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to do something versus listen to something. Um, but I put myself, try to put myself around people that are teaching me all the time. So in the action, all I want to know is what don't I know? Mm -hmm. um, so I take an action. Uh, I'm missing knowledge. Whatever knowledge is needed for that action, I'll, I'll try to get. And so um, nowadays, I usually get that, you know, on, I'll get it online or whatever. So I'll sometimes have to find specific, you know, what does that word mean? What does this mean? You know, the, and I'm in a realm right now where there's a lot of stuff that I have to learn, but <clears throat> I don't read business books about it or whatever. I just mm -hmm. go and then, oh, I didn't know about that. And then solve but the problem that's in front of me versus <clears throat> gain general knowledge, spend a lot of time general knowledge with the idea that I can apply it in this new thing I'm doing. Instead, just do the new thing you're doing. And then if there's lack of knowledge between you and where your next step, get that knowledge and just keep going and ultimately end up with all the knowledge specific to what you need and you didn't waste your time filling your head with stuff you're never going to use. I love that. I love that mentality. Uh, and it really, it's so applicable to everything in life. Like it's, it's almost the baby step concept of like, just take, take the step that needs to be taken, like the, the immediate next step and then figure out what's the next step and take that one. And that's, I mean, it's the way that you run a marathon or do anything in life. And so I, I really do. Um, I, I like that mentality. EJ, is there anything, the, the question that I have is, is, you know, what's a recent lesson learned through mistake or through success? But to, to frame this more about the world championships and competing, is there anything from the past or recent, um, like a lesson that you may have learned from whether it be competing, whether it be, uh, we'll just stick with competing. So a, a recent lesson or past lesson that you may have learned through whether uh, either be mistake or success? Uh I can't th think of any at the moment. The, um, uh, I mean, I make mistakes all the time, you know, specific mistakes. Um, uh, and the only, you know, when you make a mistake, your goal is to not make the same mistake twice, obviously. So mm -hmm. I'm identifying what that is. Um, anyway, I make mistakes every day, all the time. And um, sometimes I identify them sometimes I don't sometimes I make the same mistake a few times before I realize it's a mistake or whatever mm -hmm. but um I can't think of any specific things I mean you could come up with some <clears throat> something I did yesterday or whatever <laughs> I don't know um but it's um you know most mistakes are, are either it's an interpersonal mistake which can be related to you know family friends business or whatever um those mistakes um you want to keep them as far and few between as you can, but you make them every day. Mm -hmm. Certainly on the family side, you, you know, I'm like, you know, I've been married 35 years and um, I get up in the morning and probably the first words out of my mouth will be a mistake. I don't know. Usually not. Actually, I got that one down pretty good. <laughs> the second words the out of my mouth. Words, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, oh, that's not that's not what I should have said right then. Don't do that Damn again. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite questions that I ask on the fire round. If today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, so all your competition, all your business success, all your videos, your books, you've done a lot in life. So all of that was to go away with you. All your achievements um, was to go away. And all that you were left with 
is a piece of paper and a pen, and you could write down three truths, three things that you believe to be true to pass on to your family, your loved ones, future generations. What might those three truths be? Mm. Probably um, do what you love um, because... Anyway, do what you love would be the first one. Um, uh, it takes just as much energy and effort to live a bad life as it does a good one. So plan on living a good life. Mm. And um, I don't know. I, mean, I could start listing a bunch of them, but to do a third one. I don't know what my third one would be. But um, uh, those would be the... <clears throat> Those would be the two, and um, I guess the third one is there's, there's no, um, there's no, there's never a benefit of of not being good to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think there's a shortcut and think they can, you know, slight somebody else for advantage. But at the end of the day, there's no, it's never an advantage. Um, I guess those would be my three. I love that. That's some great advice. Very true things, and. Uh, Thank you, thanks for sharing that. EJ, I gained so much uh, value out of these conversations. And one of the things that I try to do as much as I can is to provide value back. So is there anything that you are currently focusing on that I might be able to help you out with personally or even my listeners? Yeah. Um, okay. So I want, I want to win worlds. What should my routine be? Um, You've seen me paddle. Uh, what should your routine be? I would, what was the routine that you were saying? Uh, Pan Am left, helix right, helix left, back Pan Am right, Mm -hmm. air blunt right, back blunt left. Then I've got, from there I can go back blunt right, I can do flip turn, flip turn, I can do McNasty right, depends of where I'm at, you know. So, um. Well, this, I will certainly help you with your routine. We'll probably take a little bit longer, so we'll do this off, off no, the podcast. Just... But, but I'm thinking, uh, so <laughs> this is something that you have taught me would be to, I, first I need to know your, um, your percentages of how likely you are to get each trick. 100 on all of them. <laughs> okay, if you're on 100, <laughs> <Not> if, <laughs> if you were, okay, for instance, if you were 100 on all of them, I, I would probably start with Pan Am back, Pan Am, Pan Am back, Pan Am. Uh, simply because your first pass, you're going to get your best pass down the wave. So I'm going to start with a forward pass down the wave because um, you're going to get the most air. The Pan Am's going to set you backwards for a great pass. Yeah, right now I'm not good the at pass. the front back thing, so that's probably what I need to be working on. So, so, so that would be so when we go up to the Ottawa next I'm week, I'm spinning into the I'm spinning into the back moves instead of front back. Mm-hmm. That's a that's definitely a liability I have right now. Right. So so I would say in the next you know week or two try your best to to work on going front back front back because that it just sets you in this really good rhythm yeah and then you get the best passes that way you get four tricks you know four passes great then i would probably move into helixes and then i would go um then i would maybe throw your blunts in there because those are fast you can do that also if you get out of rhythm you can throw that into the middle when when you don't need the perfect pass uh and then same with that once you have those because now you've got four more easy tricks under your belt, so you're accumulating points. Then I would go for the flip turns, and I would probably finish. Um, I'd finish if I were you with the blunt McNasties, um, and then I would also. So, the couple things that I would really train if 
if I was giving you coaching advice, I would work on doing your, your four passes, pan am back, pan am, pan am back, pan am, working on that. And then I would equally train on your blunt McNasties. Sounds good. There you go. That, that would be my best uh, coaching advice that I'm just passing it back to you. No, that's awesome. Appreciate it. I'm sure. And then we'll f- find out whether I'm a good listener or not at Worlds. We'll, we'll <laughs> find out. We'll find out. Well, also, when we go to the Ottawa next week, um, some of the locals up there, because there's a lot of international paddlers up there getting ready for the World Championships as well. They're doing um, competition nights every Wednesday night, every I think it's every Wednesday or Thursday. I got to double check on Garb, and it's just finals format. So three rides, best count. So you got to come. Oh, f- sweet! Compete with us all. It'll be it'll oh, be a definitely. blast. Yeah. Um, for anybody that wants to kind of continue on with your journey, EJ wants to follow you, wants to reach out and connect with you. What might be the best place for someone to reach out or connect? Well, you know, being the old school kind of guy that I've been called, whatever. Um, you, you are find old. Me on, yeah. <laughs> you can find me on social media. <laughs> the, <laughs> There's I'm on. this thing called www.facebook.com. Yeah, that's, I'm on Facebook mostly. I post on Instagram sometimes and uh, YouTube sometimes. Most of my YouTube stuff is instructional. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, obviously, apexwatercraft.com, I, that's where I do my blogs. So if I do a YouTube video, it's usually embedded in a blog on, on my Apex website, too. Um, it's just under blogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to kind of scroll through. They have instructional product stuff, life stuff, whatever. And then, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, so Facebook and ApexWatercraft.com are probably the best ones. Or just super old school, come and find you in person. Yeah, you, know, you can come to the you can come to the Ottawa next week. Yeah, you can come to Columbus after that, and then um, uh, Rock Island. Yeah, come Those to Rock are Island. Places you can find me. Awesome. Well, I highly encourage anybody out there that wants to come watch the World Championships. Come hang out with EJ and I. We'll be in Columbus, Georgia. It's gonna be a good time. We're gonna have a blast. I'm stoked to be competing with you again, EJ, with Dane. It's gonna be. Uh, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, it's gonna be super fun. Yeah, it's gonna be. Don't forget, Emily's gonna be there I, well, too. Emily will and certainly she, be there. We don't have to worry about competing against her. She's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, for, luckily for us, yeah. she's she rocking that. She's walking that wave for sure. Yeah. My final question of the day for you, EJ. What is your definition of awesome? Definition of awesome. Uh, well, awesome is the word that I use all the time. In fact, I would get harassed for always saying awesome. Um, uh, awesome, if defining awesome, awesome is just the, the state of mind you always want to be in, the situation you want to be in, um, how you want to perform. Uh, it, it's just, you know, there's good, better, best, and awesome. Love so, um, uh, yeah, it's the top level of, of great kind of thing perfect i absolutely love that definition and i think you're truly living it keep going ej keep uh if nothing else you're inspiring me so so i i i I applaud you for that and and i appreciate you uh i hope my listeners out there i hope you guys gain some value out of this if you did please share this out with someone that you think uh might need to hear this and if you haven't yet please leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts as always i am signing off from the back porch here in new york with ej this is nick troutman signing off wishing you all truly an awesome day cheers everybody awesome
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.